it's uh I, I did want to mention just a couple of quick things upcoming shows on the 12th of may my dear friend bill ludwig the third will be my guest that's a wednesday bill ludwig of course needs no introduction worked for his grandfather and father at ludwig drums for many years has his own company now and um and then that following friday the 14th of may i will have none other than kenny aronoff on the show with me at 1 p.m eastern time so a couple of big shows coming up might have another surprise next week that i'm working on but if not you know wouldn't be the worst thing to have a week off either so um anyway you know saturday night live likes to take a week off every now and again so i i may need to do that too but um anyway one last thing i want to point out is behind me you might notice i have my uh, 1970 or 71 Gretsch Peacock Flame drum set set up. It's uh, back from my son's house where it's been for the past year. I installed the uh, Kelly shoe system in the bass drum the other day. It has a sure uh, Beta 52 mic inside and it sounds fantastic. So these drums are ready to go for gigs. And there are some gigs coming up, which is pretty exciting. So been wanting to get these drums ready and um, just in case I decide to take them out, which is a, you know, I, I can never really decide what drum set I'm going to use, which is a good problem to have. But uh, anyway, excited about that. So thanks to Jeff Kelly, as always, at Kelly Shoe and my good friend Ryan Smith at Sure Microphones for the great service and the uh, being the great guys and helpful guys that they are. So very excited about that. Also excited that I'm going to be getting a new sure microphone pretty soon to um this mic's been working out just fine but i'm going to try one of their um mv7 mics that looks like it's going to be right up my alley so stay tuned for that all right so enough of the infomercial <laughs> um, without further ado i'm going to bring on my good friend dear friend the great eddie bears Hello, Eddie. Do you see me? I see you great. Can you see okay. me? Okay. Yes, yep. I do. Thank you. Great. And and you look marvelous as well, always. So do you. Like, like we, nothing has changed since 1991. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Actually, you know, I think, I think we met the first time in '89. At yes. at at my first time to Nashville, my first year at Zildjian. Um, and PASIC was held in Nashville that year. Oh, okay. And I, I did, I, I ran over to a studio with Mike Morris. I met you, I think, just briefly. You would, were doing something in the way of a demo. Does, does that sound right? You were, it was a long time ago, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my recollection is just back when you were already a Zildjian and uh, I would meet you in LA whenever I had projects out there and yeah, pick up symbols for requests, you know. And, you and Amory. I know, I know. And and uh, and I, I remember those days out in LA too, where you were, you know, I mean, you were like my 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 therapist for for a long time, man. We would get into some some really heavy stuff during Well, we had a lot of as far as personal, we had a yeah. lot of similarities there. I know, I remember. And I I I I thank you again to this day. I appreciate your 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 friendship and your your Oh, compassion and everything. Yeah. Well, you know, I love you, brother. 
You know I love that. you too, Eddie. Yeah. I love you too. And it's so good to see you. And, and how have you been, you know, this past, we've, we've sort of kept a little bit in touch, you know, on Facebook and in some of these other things over the last year, but how, how, how are things with you and Lane over there out, out there in Nashville? <clears throat> well, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think, I don't know if anybody's read, but May 14th, all restrictions for capacity are lifted. Wow. So restaurants, venues, everything can go to 100%. Uh, there'll still be masks. Yeah. But that just, that is a big change. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. That's, that's fantastic. That's, yeah. that's, and that's a good sign. You know, we're seeing a lot of that here too. They're, they're, every week they're, they're sort of like moving up the, in a good way, you know, moving it closer, uh, the restrictions and lifting, you know, they just now have said, I'm sure like you, where, um, you know, if you've been vaccinated, it's fine to be outside without a mask. And yeah, uh, which is exciting for us because we visit our grandkids and we've been, um, you know, we play outside in their yard and we all wear masks. So last yeah. week was the first time we got to take our masks off, which was. Oh, great. that's wonderful. Yeah, I know. And they 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 call me pops and <laughs> they, they, they they realized, oh, pops, I, we forgot how. <laughs> ugly you are <laughs> oh ouch ouch yeah i i'm i am uh papa papa yeah, yeah. papa yeah uh, it's great isn't it it's the best it's, <clears throat> it absolutely is john yeah absolutely that's great and and you and you've been working i mean during this past year you've uh, you know i know things slowed down quite a bit but I, I'm, I'm guessing you know you you had some projects you had some things keeping you busy oh yeah yeah yeah, very amazingly, almost full circle. I, uh, a lot of the producers I worked with over the years, uh, I was back with Kyle Lenning, back with Jim Ed Norman, back with Garth Fundus, back with uh, uh, oh Alan Jackson. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we did it. We just did a new album on him. So it's a. Uh, and it's still ongoing. There's bookings going on, and slowly yeah. but surely, you know. It's uh, coming back. I'm seeing a lot of posts about sessions going on. And great, uh, great. And and a lot, is a lot of this stuff, Eddie, um, remote stuff that you do at home in your home studio, or are you are you going into like is it, you know, like it used to be where you're going in the studio with the with the kit and everybody's there and yeah, and, it's been it's been full band. Yeah, wow. I mean, I am doing. Uh, some home stuff for people, you know, uh, depending on what they want. I did, uh, a new artist wanted keyboards, So I did the keyboards on his files. And then, uh, uh, ironically, uh, Fred Mullen, who's a great producer, produced Mandy Barnett and he wanted timpanis. So I put timpanis on. Something. So, you know, it's, it's a great virtual world. So it's everything. Yeah. Is possible. Yeah. I, and I remember you opening your studio in the nineties, um, the money pit was that the yeah. name of it? Then yeah, and at a time, uh, at least in my mind, it was before a lot of people were doing that. You know, you you were you were starting. You you already kind of saw where things were going. Yeah, uh, with with all that, and so you, you, I'm guessing you positioned yourself well to to be able to deal with a situation like this where right. it just took everybody by surprise. You know, and well, actually, yeah. uh, I sold the studio. Uh, maybe eight or nine years ago. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I wasn't in that anymore. My partner, Paul Worley, uh, was a, 
is a known producer. And when he started scaling down, then we just didn't want to wait for the phone to ring. And yeah. so it yeah. was time, it was time, but we had like 27 years. I remember. Yeah, it was yeah. going. Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was, that was the smart move. Cause I, I, I think, you know, like Simon Phillips had a place out in LA, same situation, had it going for a while and, and started to kind of see the writing on the wall, so to speak, and, and ended up selling it. And, um, cause it can be an, a costly venture. If, if you're not, if you don't have a lot of folks coming in, then. Yeah. Well, there's only a few yeah. left, left standing here. I mean, uh, two of them, major studio sound emporium and ocean way are owned by universities, wow. but there's, but they're still active studios. And then I understand that Dale Morris, who had a massive room called the tracking room, that that's for sale. And they might've already done that. I don't know, but most of it is, um, there's a lot of converted houses, you know, and they're great studios, but they're just converted houses. And then yeah. in a lot of cases, They'll do the record maybe in whatever studios left, and then they take it back to their homes or whatever, and they finish everything there. So, yeah. isn't that amazing? Yeah, I, it's, I, you know, I, I sound like it sounds something my dad would have said. Rest his soul. Like, isn't the technology amazing? But, but it, I mean, it really is. All kidding aside, that that you can you can, like you say, take it home and and get that sort of quality uh, in a home studio. You know, with that's yeah. yeah. Um, I know. I, I sound like I just fell off the turnip truck. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, uh, it, it was ironic that uh, a lot of the, the change back when we started our studio, of course, we were analog 24. Then we got the first one of the first uh, digital 32 track Mitsubishi. And then we went to a 48 track Studer. And we're talking about machines that cost one hundred ninety eight thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. And yeah, so we continued on then all of a sudden pro tools came on the scene <laughs> and, and they became boat anchors. You know, yeah. Just, <laughs> just change everything. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. And, and like, what do you do in that situation? I mean, there are still people that maybe want to want those. Oh yeah. Those analog systems. Right. So yeah. there's a, yeah. Yeah. Some of the studios accommodate that if you want to sign the analog to digital, they even have the links. I don't know the term for the apparatus, but they can link the analog machine to the Pro Tools machine and it goes simul, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. and that's a great world too, you know, just having both. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to just quickly read a couple of quick notes here, Eddie, on the uh, comments here that our friend <laughs> Carlos Guzman Los joining us from sunny Florida. Okay. Los, good to see you, brother. He's been in all those um, sessions, events that you've done over the years. Oh, great so to see. I, yeah, I know you know Los. And Angie Rodriguez, our friend from Remo, yeah. sweetheart, she's watching. She says hello. Wow. And uh, and I was in touch with Ryan Smith from Sure Microphones this morning. He asked me to say hello to you as well. Oh, so, good. Ryan, yes. Yeah, good old Ryan. He may be joining at some point, but um, popping in to say hi. But yeah, that'd be to say great. Yeah. Well, ironically, telling. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From Ryan. And then I love I love them. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. They're good folks there and they they make great stuff, man. It's, they it's sure great do. stuff. Yeah. You know, I ahead of all this, I've been thinking about so many things 
fun times we've had together. And I'm trying to remember the name of the restaurant we used to go to every year, Eddie. Yeah. Was it the Manor? Was that the, what it was called? The New Orleans Manor. New Orleans Manor. Yes. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. it's, it's a shame it's not there, but my goodness, what a night. Um, unbelievable, you know, unbelievable yeah. facility. Oh. I, I wondered if it was still there because I, I, you know, it's it's been so long now, but we that was our every year thing. What a facility. You turned us on to it. You said, yeah. I, I got this place. I got a place in mind we'll go to. And I remember the first time we went, we're like, how did we never know about this place? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. It, it became the go-to for anybody that uh, knew me that came through. I mean, they, they wanted it. I was requested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but it's still active, but it's just not that buffet, glorious buffet anymore. It's called Monell's. Oh, Monell's. Okay. Yeah. More of a meat and three, not meat and three, I'm sorry, but more of a Southern cooking yeah, restaurant. Yep. Yeah. But I, I remember sometimes, you know, going there with, with you and Lane and, and Buddy Harmon. Oh, man. And and John Sorensen, you know, the folks from Zildjian. And and uh, boy, we, what a, a unbelievable evening it would be. It would just be like the ultimate. Yes. And, there. And Rick Malkin was always with us. Yeah, Rick Melkin. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good old Rick. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fun stuff. I just, you know, I just start thinking about all these fun times. And, and oh, I think the man. last time, yeah, the last time we all got together, it's not not to talk about food all the time, but I saw this picture of us, uh, you and me and Chad uh, Cromwell and Harry McCarthy. Yes. And Chris Ryan, we're all at, and, and, uh, and Sarah and, and uh, and Lane, of course, and Harry's yeah. wife, and we were all at at uh, Morton's. Yes, there in Nashville. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. So beautiful memories, brother. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I just uh, it's I have so many great memories like that of of us just breaking bread and just <clears throat> hanging and and. Well, I'll, I'll jog your memory. Where was it when I came up to Berkeley? And. You took me out with your family to an incredible restaurant in Boston. I think it was an Italian restaurant. Was it in the North End, maybe? And and was it? Do, was, do you remember it being an Italian place? I think so. I mean, I uh, I know it was great food. I, yeah, I, that's what I, I recall. <laughs> I remember when you were at Berkeley and and uh, and and th- this part of Boston called the North End. Um, yeah. It's it's not too far from Back Bay where Berkeley is, and I and I do remember that. I I, th- I want to say, yeah, I, I maybe I had my kids with me, possibly. You and, did, you yeah, okay, you did, yeah. And we went and had a, a great dinner in, at one of the nice Italian restaurants there. Yeah, it was wonderful, wonderful. Oh man, that's great. I'm I, I forgot about that. I'm so glad you remember that. Yeah. Well, oh, this, man, this, this Zoom is getting into what I usually. Uh, by, by category is when people talk about sessions, I say sessions are just something I do in between eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And this is it. <laughs> well, you look great, man. You, you, you look Thank like you. you look as fit as always. And, and uh, it's great well, that you can eat as much as you play and look so good. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you know, Lane uh, and I, we built a great little fitness center in our home and, we're walking every day. We got little workout things and apparatuses. I can't even pronounce the name. Uh, yeah. One is, one is, uh, <laughs> well, who cares what it is? But anyway, you know, the bicycle stuff. So it's very important, you know, in our yeah. term in life or any 
time of life. Absolutely. So much yep. for longevity, you know? Right. Yeah. And it, and it's, I found that too, that it's, it's not only physically, but it's, it's great to keep your mind fit too, to just, you know, having that activity and, and, uh, I get up in the mornings and if I, if I walk or I run and it just, it allows me to just, yeah. Yeah. Decompress. Well, for my, my mind, uh, one choice I made 19 years ago, which was a great choice was to join the Opry staff band. That. Yeah. Yeah. By itself is something you talk about, keep the mind, especially since COVID hit the Opry band was the only band allowed in the house, the Opry house. And we're tested every week. Yeah. And uh, thank goodness yesterday I'm negative still after months. But um, the thing is, we have to handle every artist. So you can imagine within each night, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, probably in a week, you're going to have 40 to 50 songs to learn. Wow. So that, that keeps your mind going. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And and how I mean, and so how do you go about that? Do you is it is it? a lot of reading kind of on the spot or is it? No, is it, it, we're usually given a heads up. Yeah. Uh, our coordinator uploads MP3s from the artists. We download the artists. We can either chart them ourselves, but we always refer to Larry Paxton as our incredible bass player. Who's, you know, just incredible uh, chart meister, you know, but anyway, he charts them. He posts them in the Dropbox. We get them like I've got all my work for tonight. Yeah the artists I'm going to work with and then I'm prepared. You know, when I get there, then uh, we just get through the night and then I'll be ready to shoot for tomorrow night. And, uh, but there's always a lot more tomorrow night than there is tonight because we have a thing called TV night and Saturday night is broadcasted over circle TV. I think it's called. Yeah. You, yeah. you, YouTube also hosts that. So that goes live at eight o'clock. But of course, we start the opera at seven. So, but that's, yeah, it's a lot of lot of music. Like you say, it 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 keeps your mind sharp because you've yeah. got to. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And and I I you know I, I I had forgotten that you were doing that because I remember when you started doing that show and it's so it's 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 three nights a week that you're playing and then it's the live show on Saturday night. No, it's it's, it's all live. It's all live. <clears throat> yeah, but Saturday is. TV is broadcasted on uh, cable. I see. Okay. Saturday night. All the rest of them are broadcasted by Sirius and different other radio hosts, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, but uh, the Saturday night is the night where from eight to nine, you got to really be on your toes. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And who else is in the band, Eddie? Is it, is it some of your, your, some of the guys that you work with kind of regularly in town and, yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, our yeah. band, our uh, musical director is Kerry Marks, incredible guitar player, Larry Paxson, Dave, yeah. uh, Mike Noble, acoustic. Uh, uh, we have, uh, see who else? Well, we do have a couple of subs we bring in, Danny Parks is one. And uh, then Tommy White plays steel. And our background singers are incredible. And uh, it's just, it's a very well, tune band i mean everybody is always on top of it it amazes me how they're able to attain the music yeah all, yep. all, I'm, all i'm concerned with is beats and things like that which can get pretty involved because a lot of the records today are programmed right so the loops 
and drums on top of the loops, you have to replicate somehow to interpolate how are you going to make that because the loops aren't allowed on because of licensing. So I have to somehow work in those worlds. But for them, when I think of all of it, always on top of it. it just, the guitar parts, the, the uh, you know, learning all of the solos and things of that nature. I mean, it amazes me how great they are. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's yeah, I, I that that that'll keep you. Yeah, that'll keep you on your toes and then some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. just I was reading. I, I went on to this is I, this is silly. I knew there were a whole bunch of not silly, but it it's mind blowing really more than anything. When I look at the, the your recording credits and your credits overall. And I mean, I knew about a lot of this stuff, but I didn't know about all of this stuff. Um, if you permit me to just, so I know most people watching this at home probably have a pretty good idea about this, but 300 gold and platinum albums you've, you've performed on, recorded on. Academy of Country Music Drummer of the Year, 14 years. Nashville Music Awards Drummer of the Year for three years. Country Music Hall of Fame. It, it, it's unbelievable. It's, it really is. It's yeah. staggering. It's, and it keeps going. And I think it was two years ago, went into the Musicians Hall of Fame. So I, I really enjoyed that. that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. I, I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, is there is there is there anything, this is a silly question, but is, is there anything you feel like you haven't done that you'd still like to do, like in the way of, of um, artists or um, I, I can't imagine any any award that you haven't won. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think all of us and what we're seeing over the past, as far as so-called award shows and stuff like that, it only goes so far. It's great to be able to say it, yeah, you know, but it's not going to keep you busy. <laughs> right. You know, that's... somebody's not going to call because, oh, well, you are in the Musicians Hall of Fame. I'm going to have, you know, that's yeah. not the way it works. It's all about the what you have done lately. And so I always just look forward, whatever artist is next, or yep. even art, artists that I'm familiar with, I always look forward to, to uh, recording with them again. And I certainly look forward to new artists, you know, that are coming on the scene. And so pretty much that's, I guess, what I would look forward to is that, you know, there's no, nothing that I would say that I really have on my hope list or anything like that. My, my hope is just to continue on like I'm doing and, you know, get to keep on doing my sessions and playing at the Opry and, you know, things of that nature. And I appreciate that. And just look forward to more of that. <laughs> yep. No, I, I understand. I, and, and it was kind of a, you know, really not even a, 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 a it was kind of an odd question to you, for me to even ask, I think, because... No, no, not at all. I understand because there are people I know that have a bucket list and they go, man, I've always wanted to work with this guy or that yeah. guy, you know? And when I think about it, you know, it's it's a situation that when I look over my past, I mean, I, I've worked with so many people, you know? And when I go down the list, I go, well... I'm satisfied, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, and, and that's exactly where I was going with that. Eddie was, was, yeah. you know, like 
in my mind, you've worked with everybody, every country artist I can think of. And then, and, but not just country artists. And, you know, right. you're, you're, a, you're a drummer, uh, recording artist has played with everybody. And, uh, so yeah, I, I just, in my, I was wondering like, who, who is there really that, that, but, but your answer is the right answer answer, which is, it's really not about, um, you know, trying to just pad your resume, so to speak. It's really right. about just, just, you know, playing good music and, and looking ahead to what's, what's coming along down the road. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And to and, see and, that, yeah, to have that continue, that's, yeah, that's what I look forward to and hopefully to be blessed with doing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Can you, you know, I, I know we've talked about this, just you and I hanging out together. Um, and I, I would love to have you talk about it for everybody to hear, but what, what advice could you give to like, this is a classic question, like, you know, yeah. somebody, somebody moving to Nashville that wants to break into the scene, but like, what, what things have you noticed over the years that have made it, um, that have been obvious to you as to why you always, besides your, your musicality and your playing and your personality, like, what are some things people could take away from this to, to, uh, Betty, to be better prepared to, to break into session work or just being a pro drummer? I, I really think the most of the drummers that I interact with, and they always send me MP3s and stuff like that, and they're all great. Mm. great. I said, look, you already know how to play. So the other aspect, if they want to look at coming here, then it's about the music community. Networking is the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, now that it's opening back up, some of those venues that allow somebody new to come in and be heard or get even get to meet other musicians, because a lot of it would be, let's just say downtown. If somebody comes into one of those venues and wants to sit in and sometimes the band accommodates that and the drummer gets up and he plays sometimes in those bands or somebody there who just, man, you're a great player. Let me have your number. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing is, is if you go to venues or songwriters or, situations that host those kind of events is to always have your card and offer that to a songwriter. But again, it's still expanding on networking. That's the most important thing because uh, unless you have a friend here already uh, that you know that you're going to be able to come and find a way in, you know, because a lot of times artist bands now that are going to finally get back together with artist bands. I mean, people that we've backed up, in the past month or two, they all get up on the opera say, I haven't worked in a year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So now, now that things are loosening up, there's been several artists that are now I'm seeing posting of them hitting back on the road. So some of the drummers I know that are with those artists, of course, they're definitely putting that out there saying, thank God <laughs> we're back on the road. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but I think overall it's, it is about networking. If you know somebody here, uh, definitely make that connection uh, before you make the move or if you can afford to make the move, that's good too. But the, the main thing is sustaining because uh, if you're not going to get right in to the music community, then be ready to find regular work per se. You know, I don't know what it could be. You know, you could be working at a restaurant or anywhere yeah. else, but something to sustain yourself, you know, until 
you meet people and get in and little by little, you know, maybe you go in and do a demo session. Maybe you play live with somebody, but, but it, it sort of expands that way, you know, Yeah. but that's been, that's the one thing now I see opening back up because six months ago, I wouldn't know what to say. Right. It, it, yeah. it, was, it was so locked in, you know, but uh, I guess in memory, I remember years ago because I mentored several out of Berkeley and a great drummer, Steve Sinatra of all people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was graduating and he said uh, he was going to move here. And I remember him moving here and he contacted me. He said, Eddie, I'm here. And I said, so what are you doing? He said, well, I'm looking for some players to put together a little jazz quartet, but right now I'm parking cars at the Lowe's Vanderbilt hotel. <laughs> and <laughs> I said, Steve, you're going to be just fine. And sure enough, he became, uh, you know, he got the drumming gig, uh, gig with uh, Little Big Town, and then he became Hunter Hayes band director. So I haven't caught up with him in the past year, but, you know, at least I see that as an exemplary. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's, yep. And and to your point, he was he came prepared to do something else, to, to pay his bills, yeah. knowing that, he, yeah, he had to do that networking and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that was my advice to most of the Berkeley students because I said, oh, maybe you guys, you know, separate from different types, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, songwriting or musicianship or business, anything like that. I said, but I'd say break those walls down to get to know each other because a lot of my beginnings came from people that weren't specifically musicians. They were people that I met who said, man, I'm going to start a publishing company. Would you like to be involved? And I'm, yeah, absolutely. And I would get in. And that's how a lot of the production situations I got into from the onset came to be. Yeah, yeah. So important networking wherever you are. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. No, you're right. That's 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 yeah, some, the key to – sorry, yeah, yeah, no, I was just saying, someone – I don't know where you're at right now, but somebody that you meet or somebody you interact with musically – is may move. They right. may move away from that town that you're in and maybe get going in some venture and by them knowing you and you knowing them, you don't know. It could be, you know, the one phone call that changes everything. Yeah. 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 Great, great advice. I'm going to read a couple of comments and there's a question from my pal, Anthony Cusina, who always asks great questions. Um, He's just asking, and John Ferraro, by the way, says hello, our friend John. Hey, Ferraro. John. Yeah. yeah, Anthony said, How did your beginnings start in Nashville, and what are you focusing on these days to improve your playing? Well, my, I had two different beginnings. I had one, my father was a fighter pilot in the Navy. When he retired, we moved here, and uh, I was here for six years. From that point on, I was more keyboard. I was classically trained at Belmont University. And then I yeah. uh, went into Philadelphia and played B3 with some a band up there. And then from that, I would simul having, you know, a lot of us, you know, double duty. It's a lot of times maybe a drummer might play piano or maybe guitar or something like that. And I was a piano player to play drums. So it didn't matter. Whatever gig came up, I was ready to play. So I guess long story short, I moved from the Philly area 
went to Las Vegas for a year and a half, <clears throat> played in a band called the Checkmates LTD, uh, then went to Oakland, California. I spent about three years there. When I came back to Nashville, I was still more focusing on keyboard and I started playing piano mm-hmm. at the Carousel Club and I was hired by the drummer named Larry London. So yes. I, pl- I played piano with Larry for about a year and a half. And I told him I want to switch and I want to do this. And he really mentored me through a lot of that. And the rest of it came from, uh, again, through that networking that I got into a production company that didn't do mainstream music, but they booked outside musicians. And as those musicians came in, they got to know me because I was the drummer for the production company. And they went, man, I really love the way you play. And, I want to book you on my demo session or I want to book you on my record. And that went on and your name gets out there more and more. And then finally there's some records that become noted. And for me, it was, I had worked a record with an artist that requested Leland Sklar to play bass. So he came to Nashville. I worked with him and we connected immediately. He said, I'm going to recommend you, uh, my friend Mike Post has an album coming up that I'm going to get him to have you do. And sure enough, Mike called me and it was nine to five. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's the way, yeah. excuse me, that's the way it went. That's how I, yep. so uh, as far as what I do, uh, I would have to say that anything that I hear and the great thing about the Opry is I'm working with a lot of the new artists. So anything that I hear on their recordings that interests me, you know, about how things are done or what they're done, I want to learn it. Just like when I would hear the programming going on, I want to learn that. So what I did was I had my Pro Tools. I've got every plugin known to man, so I can program. <laughs> so I can program anything. I got yeah. Sup- Superior Drummer Three, and I have all these things. So, <clears throat> but the rest of it, as far as you know, it, it keeps me busy enough every week where that's pretty much my practicing, to, per se. Yeah. Yep. You know, because when you're doing 50 to 60 songs and learning them every week, then that's what happens. You know, you have to retain that. And that keeps your mind. And when you're performing, that keeps you pretty busy. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yep. And, and I have to say that what I've done, not that I've done, but <clears throat> what we did at the Opry, I couldn't do, when I first started, I didn't want to do every week. So I started the situation of hiring another drummer to come and swap weeks with, which I did. Was that Mark Beckett? No, actually, it was Paul Lyme. Oh, Paul Lyme. And when Paul Lyme left, I went to them and I wanted Mark. And and I guess probably 11 years now, he's been there and doing doing amazing. I mean, he's like my younger version. You know, because, he loves you. Yeah. Oh, I love him. You know, he, he, uh, uh, we go back to our beginnings when he was 13, Barry. I worked in Barry's uh, rhythm section here in Nashville. And he contacted me. He says, Well, my son Marks wants to be a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to their home, right? That, that was Columbia, Tennessee. But subsequent to that, you know, Barry would take every track that we ever did recording with him for over those years and give them to Mark. And that's where he learned. Wow. And now when I hear him play, I went, Oh my goodness. That, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and, and he is so gracious to me. I know he always says great things, you know, but I have every bit to say great about what he's doing now. Oh, amazing, that's, amazing drummer. That's great. Well, you know, when I, when I put this up on Facebook that we were going to be doing this today, he, he commented, he said, the best, you know, oh, and, and yeah. I said, absolutely. <laughs> amen. Um, well, you know, that's that's fascinating, Eddie. And I, I, I want to just jump backwards a second. And I, I, I knew about the connection to Larry and and, and you know, you kind of get in your beginnings and Larry kind of being a, a mentor. And so I'm guessing that was the was that the early 70s? Was that yes, about yeah. what? Yep, early sure. 70s. Probably 74. 74. OK. Yeah. And and uh, and Larry was obviously a busy guy in town. That's a, that's another <clears throat> humorous story. Because Larry would go out with Waylon or go out with Chet Atkins. So finally, me being in the band, Larry knew of my capability of playing drums. So he told them at the carousel, he says, you know, Eddie knows the show. Let him play the drums while I go do these concerts out there. And I'm thrilled to death. Yeah. I'm going, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And Larry said, my kid's there. You can just do it. I'll never forget that the night that I'm coming in to play drums and I sit on Larry's drums and I've got my stick bag and I undo the sticks and I put my foot on the kick pedal and I went, yes. I said, you know what? I bet he locks it so nobody can play the kick. And then I stood up and it went boom. Like I went, Oh, I am in trouble. I took the kick pedal off. You know, hopefully for, you know, how you can loosen up. Yeah, yeah. It was at its loosest strain. He had a, a guy here build him a pedal. And there was, it was inhuman <laughs> to play. If you can imagine me, I was going up and down Printer's Alley for other musicians I knew there. I said, does anybody have a kick drum pedal? <laughs> and, and luckily I did get one and I went in. And it all went fine. But I tell you what, there were some fear moments. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, I my said, gosh. Well, yeah, I'm going to be playing, but you're not going to be hearing a kick drum because I can't push this thing down. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I, You know, uh, rest his soul. I didn't know I didn't know Larry well, but I, I met him a couple of times. And uh, I was working at Drum Workshop when he signed on with DW in the, in the 80s. And, in fact, I, I remember one time picking him up at the uh, – the Sheridan Universal Hotel, you know, like in, in uh, Universal City and oh, Hollywood, you know, you know, the hotel. I picked him up, you know, in the valley, brought him up to drum workshop and uh, we chatted the whole way. And he was just such a nice, nice man. And and, and I remember that about the pedal because we were, DW was making a special pedal based on, I guess, was it the Caroline pedal that he used, that old uh, or Asba, one of those pedals and um, extra wide footboard and and a Special yeah. spring, yeah. That if I'm not mistaken, the one that was uh, a prototype. Of course, he wasn't with DW at that time. He was still with Pearl. Yeah. Uh, was made by a guy named Tommy Winkler. Oh, of course, Tommy Winkler. Yeah. Yeah, and he built that pedal. Inhuman pedal. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being on a session with him. I was playing B three, and. <clears throat> The artist was always infatuated. You know, Larry, come out there and play me that kick drum pattern. 
and he would do this kick drum pattern. And I mean, it would go do, 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 you know, and, and they're, they're all just going like that. And I'm going like that, but I didn't realize at that time he's doing it with that pedal. Wow. My God. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I know that, that he could, he could play with so much finesse. Oh my God. He was, he was, it was a clock. I mean, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I the first time I ever saw him play was at a at, he was playing Zildjian at the time, at a Zildjian day in Boston in in 1983, the one of the first ones they ever had, and I I had never heard of them. I, I I'm I'm uh, kind of you know I was a kid yeah. and you know but but I think you'll you'll attest to this Eddie in those days you know it, so many of you great session drummers were still kind of unknown unlike today you, you know they, yeah. you weren't as known to the masses yet. Um, you know, unless you really dug deep into all the liner notes of records and, and then you'd see it. But, but I didn't know that he'd played on all these incredible records. And, uh, but anyway, he, he comes out, he's the first guy to come out that day. And he opens up with a drum solo playing the, this incredible double stroke role on the snare drum. That was just, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that one. Well, you, yeah, you know, I mean, it was awesome. Just absolutely yeah. awesome. You know, ironically, uh, from my beginnings, too, with me and Lane, he played on Lane's number one record. No kidding. Yeah, the Yellow Rose of Texas. That's Larry London. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, I know. It's amazing, isn't it? And oh. uh, when we look at our history and see how all that came forward, you know. As yeah. a matter of fact, Lane, uh, May 4th, Lane and I will be celebrating our silver anniversary 25 awesome. years. <laughs> wow. I know. Congra- Congratulations. Happy early anniversary. Wow. Oh, thank you, John. Yes. Thank you. Oh, man. Please give her a hug for me, too. I will hug her. Me. I'll hug her a lot for you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Well, you know, I, I it's I, I had made a note to talk about Larry, and I'm glad you, you kind of brought it up because it was a great segue into that because I knew – you know, there was a history there with you guys and, and, and uh, the notorious cherry bombs or cherry bombers and, or cherry bombs. Yeah. The notorious cherry bombs. Yeah. I yeah. played, I played his kit, uh, his red kit that he used with the cherry bombs on that record, you know, to honor him. Oh, that's great. Because, because he was the original cherry bomb drummer. Right. And, and we had to change the name to the notorious cherry bombs, but yeah, we had his drums brought into ocean Lake. And I played them. It was that's, with that's my funny. kick with my kick pedal. With your kick pedal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you so when you started to, to work as a as a session drummer at that time, um, I know there were some other guys in town like like Buddy Harmon and yes. uh, and and I don't know if was Gene Chrisman in Nashville or was he in Memphis at that time? He was in oh, Memphis. He was in Memphis. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? He came up another ironic moment was uh, Lane was produced by Chips Moment and the Memphis Boys. And the Memphis Boys, yeah. So Chips Moment had a studio up here, so Gene and Reggie Young and Bobby Wood, Bobby Emmons, they all came up here and for weeks they played on Lane's record. And it's still today an incredible record, but Gene and I, I mean, of course, Lane was first, but Gene and I became very close, subsequent to that. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, Gene, you know, and amazing when I saw your promo and I saw that great picture of us with Buddy and DJ and uh, Hal and all of them are since gone, you know. Yeah. It, it's just amazing. Yes, I know. Sir. There it yeah. is. Look, 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 look. Yeah, I know. That, that, I know. I, 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 that, that warms my heart so much when I look at that picture and, and, uh, I, I've narrowed it down. To, I, I believe it was Pasic 1996. Um, I think you and yeah. Hal and DJ and I probably Buddy were doing like a panel discussion or we something. We did. Or, yeah, you're absolutely right. We did do. Yeah, that. yeah. So, like, what an opportunity to just hear all you guys talking and and. Well, you uh, know what? But what was great was subsequent to that. Of course, Buddy and I always talked, and DJ and I, and uh, of course Hal and I were close. As a matter of fact, uh, Jules Follett, who you know, yes. uh, uh, had me be musical director for the tribute to Hal here in Nashville. So uh, that's right. You know, when she showed me what was done in L.A., I said, I want to do something different. I want to have every drummer here play a Hal song. So I put a band together. And uh, amazingly enough, you know, she Hal was there. And you know, we got to talking. And so anyway, we started the show off. Every song, John, he, I mean, he bring tears to his eyes. Yeah. And, you know, everyone and just watching that history before him and knowing that. And then it came time for my moment when all that was done. I said, well, my moment is I want me and how to jam. So Hal came up and him and I jammed a little bit. And then, of course, I introduced him, obviously, to a great audience. And I said, the great Hal Blaine. And you know Hal. Yeah. He gets up. and Thank you. Thank you. Appreciated, you know, from Jules and all, all of us that bestowed all these things on him. He goes, you know, when I reflect over the 60s, the most important word was here. And everybody's here. here. And he goes, yeah, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, right. that, that, that's how, you know how, I mean, it's a, Oh, I know, man. He was, Oh, he was too funny. He was, you know, God bless him. Right. Right till the end, you know, he was sending those emails out with all the jokes and the, oh, uh, yeah, I, I was fortunate and, and blessed to, to attend his 90th birthday in LA at the baked potato, you know, oh, just a, my. yeah, just a month before he left us and, uh, and he was still, you know, funny and, and, uh, he got up and played that night, uh, with the band later, but he, it was just so, ah, uh, you know, we're so lucky to, to have these memories, you know, these, these yes, incredible absolutely. people in our lives. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. And, and I was, you know, I just, I love your story about you and Larry, because, you know, I, I just, I, I love the fact that, you know, he was so uh, secure in his world that he saw you as a, as a, as a great drummer and, 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 you know, basically just needing that little, you know, opportunity to kind of yeah. 
get your foot in the door. And he, he was happy to help. And, and as you've done, you know, as you've passed along to other people as well. And yes. it's, uh, you know, the other story was that uh, as I was progressing and when nine to five came around, I even told Larry, I said, my God, the great Mike Post has yeah. booked, booked me on this record. And I'm thinking, you know, high times. And I get a call from a secretary he said, by the way, Mike said he wants those toms to sound like jet airplanes. <laughs> of course, immediately I just went, oh, my God. So I, I called Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Larry, I, I mean, I've got this incredible opportunity coming up, but the secretary, I mean, what would you say if he said he wanted the Toms to sound like jet airplanes? Larry said, I'd say he's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> was Mike pulling your leg? Was he, was he, I mean, was it just like a bit that he was, or is it? You know, amazingly enough, um, <laughs> he he uh, we we still we are still close today. In fact, him and Lane wrote a song that we recorded. Uh, but throughout the years, even during that period of time, he came in and everything was notated for those records. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the great thing is, I could read so. And I would come to him, and I would get to specific things like, "Oh, I understand." This, these feels here, this here. I said, but I would never play a fill like that, you know, yeah. testing it. And he said, just play whatever you want. So I knew, yeah, a lot of it was all in, you know. Fun. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's great. That's yeah. great. And, and, and things just kind of progressed from there by the, I mean, by the eighties, you were, gosh, I mean, I, that's, that's what I recall was, you know, you just, we're doing everything, 80s yeah. and 90s and onward, you know? That was it. I mean, the one thing about it is, yes, everybody's getting back to work and doing, but those 20 years will never be again. Because just to give you an example, let's just say this is April 30th, which it is. Mm -hmm. I was booked every week, seven months from now. Right. I could look at my book. I was already booked seven months and that you won't see. And I'm talking about every week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that, that we will, we will never see that again. Right. Any, right. Anywhere in, 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 in Nashville, Los Angeles. Yeah. Not, not in, ses session wise. Of course, if you're with a, huh, an artist, yeah. You're booked yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But but like you say, yeah, I mean, that, but that I remember coming out for, you know, to visit and come, you'd invite me to the studio and you'd be working all day and, you know, you'd give me a rundown of what you had going on. And um, a lot of the same guys I'd see Brent Mason and Michael yeah. Rhodes and yeah, the players and yeah. And you'd say, well, I'm going to, I got this, I got this going on, you know, the next week or two weeks and yeah, months and months out. Yeah. Yeah, it was an amazing time, you know, and uh, I can pretty well tell it when I look over my discography, you can see the 80s and 90s are just saturated. Yeah. You know, and uh, but, you know, fortunate times. Yeah, 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 yeah it's exactly. And and it's it's different. It's not, you know, it's 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 just like you've you've now, you know, you've adapted and and it's it's not what it was then, but it's it's different. 
Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, it, it, the, the Opry, the Opry gig is something that I'm sure like it, it's, it's something you look forward to with all that kind of, you know, brain stimulation of playing that much too. That may, that, that much. Well, what I love about it is it is the, the other side of us as players, because obviously in the studio, like a couple of weeks ago, I had five days and I was working with these, this group who uh, is doing their album again that I did last year. So I spent five days. They do all the music and then they just book me to come in and put the drums on mm. and, per, and percussion. So, but again, that's one song at a time, you know? Yeah. So in the Opry, it it's one song at a time, but it has to be done live. You don't get a second shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have to know that, you know, I mean, which uh, Lane knows that. I mean, uh, I spend hours just like I'm ready for tonight. I've spent hours on what I have to perform tonight because I don't want to be married to a chart. I yeah. want to look at it for reference, but I don't want to have to be, you know, concerned about missing something. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, re I really get to know those songs. Yep. No, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. That that. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to be in that live situation. I'm sure you could do it, but like you say, you, if you if you, it's much better to know the tune, have a good idea of the form of the tune, rather yeah. than relying on the the chart. But but I I would love to pick your brain for a second, Eddie, about kind of going back to that that heyday period you were talking about. I have to think probably a lot of what you were doing at that time was charts, right? You'd come in and, and be given a chart or you'd, you'd, you'd hear the song and maybe write a chart out to do a session when you were doing that much work. Yeah. So yeah, that was the first you heard it. Yeah. You know, most of uh, protocol was uh, you play the demo. You can either write your own or somebody else could write one unless they did pre-production yeah. and had the leader get together and write the charts. And so a lot of times that was the case. The charts were already done. Yeah. But the first you heard it was when you got into the studio. So you obviously learn it. You make your markings and listen to all the requests, you know, from artist or producer about what they would like something far as dynamics of the song, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and then during the song, maybe quick editing, maybe, you know what, cut that instrumental on half or, overlap coming from the chorus into the instrumental taking off a bar or you know things like that quick quick edits yeah and, and then uh then perform again you know so and how 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 often would you guys get like a final track like how many could, could you were you at the point where you could run it down maybe two times and get a take like did you guys have it that well oiled that you could you could just kind of have all your are you uh, all your charts and well to us we could <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> to us we got it the second or but then oh, one more yeah one more, you know. <laughs> so, yeah there was always that case but usually the standard was two songs a session so about an hour and a half for each song yeah wow so that you would spend and that would be able to allow the producer or the artist to listen to what's going on and make comments about, well, you know, right there, why don't you make that bridge a half time and not full time, you know, or anything mm -hmm. like things of that nature. 
So it was all it was all about fine tuning, you know. But that was pretty much the norm that there would be two songs a session. Yeah, I, I, I remember you telling me that, and I wanted everybody watching this to 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 know that too. That that's incredible, and that and that's besides you know the great playing. I have to think too that they knew when they were hiring you and all those guys, you know, they were going to get. You know, it's like when when you hired Hal Blaine back in the day. It was like you know you're going to get a great product, but you're also going to get it done efficiently. You're not going to have to spend two days yeah. trying to get a, you know, a track done. Well, that was the normal because the outside the box, like with Bob Seger, you could spend three or four hours on a song. Same with yeah. Mark Knopfler, you know, <laughs> I mean, each one is like their baby. So they, and budget was no issue. So they would yeah. spend yeah. all that time in getting it right. You know, so, yeah, but those were outside the box again, more normal for the artists that I worked with over those years. That was pretty much the standard. Yeah. Yeah. I speaking of, you know, I remember when you were doing the John Fogarty record in, in LA. Yeah. And I think you were out there for like months or something. Right. I mean, it was, was it? Yeah. About 42 days. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I know. Well, that's that's like you say, that's a great example of outside the box of like, you know, budget not being an issue. He's got you staying in a nice hotel and you're, you know, yeah. 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 That's that's a different a different way to go. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm gonna just a couple more uh comments. I'd love to read just or questions. Uh Los Carlos Guzman asked Eddie in the eighties, electronics was really a part of session drummer setup and then it went away do you see it coming back because i you used some electronics during those days eddie right did you i i had a refrigerator yeah that's what i thought yeah you could open <laughs> yeah, it up. I, mean... I had a, a kai sampler i had uh d drums i had uh simmons five and yeah. they were all linked into a patch so i had a mixer so that i could feed whichever ones on the sounds that I had and everything was triggered. The toms were triggered by PZMs. The snare was triggered. The kick drum was triggered. Yeah. And then I would have an extraneous pad for any other unusual effect or something like that. Yeah. But that was pretty much it. And that went, I'm trying to think when that kind of went away because <clears throat> I think a lot of it came from when engineers with pro tools uh, had the ability for sound replace. Yeah. So I could leave uh, a record. And when I heard single off that record, I would go, that's not the snare I use. (laughs) 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 So they had, you know, the capability of replacing anything they wanted. Yeah. So I think that was kind of like the start of it downturn. Of course, as we know, Electronically, uh, I mean, loops are rampant. Almost yeah. every every new artist now that I work with, there's a loop on the record. Wow. You know, I don't demean it because, uh, you know, sometimes it really works with the song, you know. And, of course, then they'll put real drums over it, or sometimes they just program drums over that. Yeah. So a uh, couple of the artists I'm working with this week, uh, that's exactly the case. It's the drums and loop were all programmed. 
No kidding. And, yeah. and I and this is this is a it's a country artist. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I just it's 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 just interesting that it's you know I that that it's so I guess uh, part of the fabric now if, of recording. You know, like as you say, the loops and and th- you know overdubbing electronics. I think a lot of it too came from the fact that a lot of people were songwriter producers artists and they were able to get in a room as your size and do everything there so obviously the easiest thing to do would be just program you know they they could put on real guitars and basses and things like that but then again as far as drums they could just do the loop and the real drums i mean and uh uh, program drums yeah so uh and uh, that's not the norm i mean it's every once in a while i hear that more more than not there's a loop and uh, then they've overdubbed drums to, to that. Right. Wow. The other part that Lewis had asked is, do you see it coming back again as part of a working electronics coming back as a working drummer setup? Um, well, it, it depends on what capacity, because now if I go in and do a session, sometimes I ask for a heads up, <clears throat> but the thing I can do is I can bring in, my pro tools, I can bring in uh, my array of loops yeah. or even my superior drummer. And if they want a loop, I could program two bars of it, put it on a flash drive, give it to the engineer. He could load it in, spread it across the time of the song. So that's about as far as it'll go. Yeah. I, th- I think as far as on sessions, yeah, I, I don't ever see it coming back to what we were dealing with, you know, in the eighties. Yeah. I, yeah. and I, I'm, I, I don't live in your world obviously, but I, I don't either from what I can see from, from speaking with yourself and, and, you know, other recording artists that it's, I, I, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably relieved to be sort of done with the refrigerator at, yes. at the session. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. Was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was, to me, again, that was the part of uh, rising to the occasion. It, you know, like, if on the onset, I know I don't want to deal with that, well, then somebody is, and then I don't get work. Yeah. So yeah. I want I, I wanted to learn it all. I got it all. I bought it all to exist. And then when the time comes and it starts diminishing, why with me? I really don't have one thing or another to say. I have to say some of those records I did that I used the electronics, they still sound great mm, because an sure. engineer, an engineer knew how to, to mold all that together. But overall it, uh, it's just also refreshing to go in with an acoustic set of drums, you know, and play a session. Yeah. 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 Get a great drum sound. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of that, uh, Franco, I, Francoy, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Uh, Fortin, Eddie, could you tell me about your new pearl maple gum kit? Uh, excellent. I mean, yeah. Through 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 my years, you know, I've always went for state of art because that's the one thing we need to bring to the table when it comes to us doing recordings. Yeah. Or even live, and uh, so when Sakai kind of went down. Then, uh, you know, John here at Pearl reached out and actually 
John Michael Brady, who was at Drum Paradise that time, yeah, wanted, wanted to put us together. And John said, yeah, I would love for you to come back to Pearl because that's where I started. Right. I, no, actually, I started with Remo. But anyway. All right. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. And when he went there and, and we discussed the kit and uh, I knew from talking to Shannon and uh, Chad, Carmen, all them about their maple gum kit. And I said, well, obviously, that's what I want. Yeah. And he said, okay, we're going to make it. And we already know your specifications and we're going to do it that way. And so uh, I got the kit and it, it's an amazing kit. I'll yeah. bet. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful drums. And John uh, is a great guy. He, he was, went to, he went to Berkeley. You probably yes, know. Yes, I do. Yeah. And he came in and interned for me just before I left Zildjian for a few months and uh, what a great guy! And I and I'm I'm so happy to see him doing so well in the industry. He went, I think he went from he got a job at Tama Drums for a little while, and then he got this job at at Pearl, where he's I think he's in charge, right? He's the head of artist yeah. relations. Yeah. yeah, he's doing great. He's doing great. Yeah, Good yeah everyone there, him and Derek, are they handle everything, you know? And in fact, I just called him last week. I said, you know, I want a maple gum snare drum. And the color of my kit and everything, he said, I'll order it right now. So Beautiful. I'm looking, looking forward to getting that. Yeah, they, they are st they're state of art drums. The engineer that did the uh, the record I told you about, the guys that already pre programmed their music, not programmed, but they'd already played all the instruments. The engineer for that, uh, Dan Frizzell said, you're not going to believe this, but I know everyone says I never had to do anything. He said, but with those drums, I used my choice of microphones, but I didn't have to do anything. They sound wow. that great right on the floor. That's amazing. That that's like that's a, what a testament that is. Yeah, to just you know, flat, unequued, great sounding drums. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, as you know, for I start with you, I'm forever with Zildjian. So I know, you know that. I, yeah, I know. One of the first guys to play Zildjian sticks too. I I remember I, calling you, you up and you got me yeah. in that. I, I know. I, I hope I hope, you, I hope you're not mad at me for that. <laughs> no, I, I cannot. My bag's full. Good, I still good. I still use them. And of course, Joe's over there now with Vic. Yeah. But uh, but I guess they still keep the sticks separate, right? They're still Zildjian well, sticks I, and, and Vic. Vader. I think I I don't know. I think it's all they're all one big happy family now. So I think they're all okay. Like yeah, I think Joe's like your guy for everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Remarkable. Joe the Fonz Testa. Yes. <laughs> Fonzie. Fonzie. He just, had, he just had a birthday too a couple of days ago. So. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll have he's to text him. Yeah. Yeah. Text him. You should text him. And and uh and, and Anthony Cusina had another question. He just asked, um, do you have a home recording studio studio that you produce drum tracks from? And are you virtually teaching from home? Yeah, I don't teach. Uh, but I mentor <clears throat> anybody can get in touch with me and uh, ask me whatever questions they may have uh, for wherever they are in their musical life at this point, And I'll be happy to respond. But yeah, I do uh, have a home recording studio. In fact, I'm in it now. And uh, I do a lot of times if somebody wants specific things, they can send me to track and, I can either virtually do the drums or if not, I have a connection with Loud Studio at Curb where my I have a kit there 
and I can go over there and I can over to real drums on whatever they have. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I figured it. I was, I was going to ask that question too. So I'm glad that Anthony did. And I was going to point out to everybody watching that Eddie's um, engineer in his home studio is right behind him on the, on the bed or on the couch there. That's Anastasia. Anastasia. That's right. Yeah. That's my engineer. He mixes everything. <laughs> Yeah, or she's my uh, advisor. I go, hey, Annie, what, what should I do? And then somehow telepathically she can. She tells you, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Eddie, this has been so much fun. I, we're, we're, the time goes by quick, I know, but I, I, I've so enjoyed having you here. And is there, is there anything... Um, any any more wisdom you might want to impart on these folks watching at home that boy I, can I take think, from I think from what I just said, if there's any questions, because I don't know overall answers, but if something is specific or sent to me, I I pretty well should know it after all my years. Yeah, I would say so. I would say you do know it. <laughs> and if I don't, I'll know somebody that does. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, well, Paul, Paul Quinn, our favorite attorney, just said, I'm late. He'll watch the rerun. Oh, yeah. Hello, and he's Paul. A prince, yeah, a prince among men. He sure is a prince among men. Oh, thank um, you, Paul. Uh, Eddie, this has been so great, my friend. It's I, oh, yeah. I love and miss you so much. I miss you, too. And I sure look forward to a time when we can break bread. <laughs> Me, too. Me, too. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm due to come. You know, I was in Nashville a couple of years ago. And I think I, I, I know I reached out. I think you, you were, I was only there a couple of days and you, you weren't available, but it was something that Harry was doing at his, at That's his right. place with Rick Murata. Yeah. And um, right. I think you were working at, 